What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Most of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to Off The Chain, simply the best podcast in crypto. Let's kick this thing off. Rob Payone, aka Crypto Bobby, is the founder of Proof of Talent and also host of the popular YouTube channel, Crypto Bobby. In this conversation, we talked recruiting in the cryptocurrency industry, the do's and don'ts of the interview process, and how engineers, business development executives, management, data analysts, and marketers can enter the cryptocurrency industry. I really enjoyed this conversation, and I hope you do as well. Skirt, skirt! Want to know who has the best URL? Crypto.com. That's right, Crypto.com. They're a crypto platform with one goal, motherfucking mass adoption. That's why we're all here. We're trying to get crypto in every wallet. Crypto.com is helping people do that through buying, earning, lending, and card payment. Everything you could want at Crypto.com. Go help your boy out. Tell him Pomp sent you. Download the app or visit Crypto.com. Pomp's got you always. Ever wanted to get into mining and didn't know how? Don't worry. Your boy Pomp's got you. Everybody got some electricity and Wi-Fi. All you got to do is go to coinmine.com, you buy a coin mine, it's like an Xbox or a PlayStation that helps you turn your electricity into Bitcoin. That's right, you purchase it, it shows up at your doorstep, you pull it out of the box, you plug it in, connect to your Wi-Fi, five minutes or less, you're mining Bitcoin. All you have to do is control it from the mobile app they provide, and then you receive over-the-air updates that add new coins and new features on a consistent basis. Kind of like how Tesla does over-the-air updates and updates the car software. Just you're updating your coin mine. Consumer mining made easy. That's right. Go to coinmine.com, tell them Pomp sent you, and thank me later. As many of you know, crypto investors store their digital assets on exchanges or in cold storage for long-term safekeeping. However, this strategy doesn't help them grow their investment holdings or build overall wealth. With the new BlockFi interest account, users can now securely store their Bitcoin or Ether at BlockFi and receive 6% annual interest paid monthly in cryptocurrency. 6% is an absurdly high rate. It's the best rate in the industry. I highly suggest you go check out BlockFi.com slash POMP. Again, that's BlockFi.com slash POMP to sign up and start earning crypto today. If you follow Bitcoin and crypto, you've probably heard of eToro. They're the world's number one social trading platform, and I love it. They've got more than 10 million other traders that love it too. And guess what? They just launched in the United States. eToro offers access to the world's most popular cryptocurrencies, including Bitcoin, Ethereum, and others. With the smartest trading tools and the ability to connect with the best traders around the world, there's no better place to build your perfect portfolio. If you're new to Bitcoin and crypto, you can test the waters with their $100,000 virtual trading feature. But if you're more experienced, you can create custom technical charts and use eToro's social feeds to inform your trading decisions. They've got transparent fees, and so you never miss out. They also have an easy-to-use application available on iPhone, Android, or any web browser. You can get started today in just a few clicks at eToro.com. Again, that's eToro.com. Get VIP access to Bitcoin and crypto markets today. Anthony Pompliano is a partner at Morgan Creek Digital. All opinions expressed by Pomp or his guests on this podcast are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Morgan Creek Digital or Morgan Creek Capital Management. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Pomp as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All right, guys. Bang, bang. I've got a special treat, the one, the only, Crypto Bobby. 
uh, aka real name Rob, but uh, Crypto Bobby, thanks for uh, coming to do this. Thanks for having me. Hey, uh, appreciate the time. Absolutely. Uh, we got the live stream going. People are being obnoxious as usual. Uh, I think that we just saw uh, I Love You a couple of times, um, but we'll, uh, we'll have fun with this. Um, background. What did you do before you became Crypto Bobby? Um, a couple different things. So I, my first job out of college was in IT recruiting. So uh, I did IT recruiting in Washington, D.C. for a few years. That's actually where I found uh, Bitcoin. Uh, a buddy of mine sent me an article that was in December 2013, like the one of the big kind of original like Bitcoin bubbles. And the article was, I think it was a Verge article, and it was like the you know, Bitcoin is so 2013, Dogecoin is 2014. And I was like, what is Dogecoin? What's Bitcoin? And uh, naturally, the first thing I did that night when I went home was I read more about it and found out that you could use your computer to earn free magic internet money. So I went ahead and watched a YouTube video and started mining Dogecoin that <laughs> night. And then... Uh, what a legend. My, since my first, first job out of college, I didn't exactly have a ton of money. So I also did what any entrepreneurial uh, young chap would do is I signed up for a bunch of free credits for Microsoft Azure and Amazon Web Services and all the cloud providers and started mining uh, Dogecoin and then uh, Bitcoin through that as well. So did that, uh, ended up moving into uh, ended up moving into software sales, uh, worked at uh, Oracle and, and LinkedIn for uh, about five years or so and uh, kind of made my way into crypto after that. All right, so uh, you were taking the free credits and trial uh, like <laughs> services from uh, AWS and Microsoft Azure, and you were using that to mine crypto. Yeah, so that's pretty uh, smart, actually. I, I mean, it was like a hundred dollars of free credits, and I was probably making God knows not much money at all. But it, it felt like a smart idea at the time. Probably was a huge waste of my time, but. It was something where I was just kind of getting familiar with it, and I was in the process of uh, getting a master's degree in information systems at the time, and the kind of process of creating these different servers that I was running and feeling like I was doing something interesting and technical was kind of appealing to me. So I went through that, and then I ended up buying the little, for a while you could actually mine Bitcoin with these little USB mining mm -hmm. ASICs. Mm -hmm. um, so I bought a bunch of those and just had those running. I had a desktop computer at my office. So I had those running 24 seven at my desktop computer with a little fan that was blowing on at all times because otherwise they would basically melt your computer. So that was kind of like how I ended up getting into it. It wasn't necessarily like I really understood the kind of the finance elements or the economics elements behind Bitcoin um, or not necessarily Dogecoin. Dogecoin was fun for a while, um, but I didn't necessarily understand those components as much as I was really interested by the fact that you could like basically print money uh, from your computer, which as a 23-year-old uh, kid, I was like, oh, this is kind of appealing. So I kind of dove in that way. Got it. Um how do you go from uh, essentially beg, borrowing, stealing computing power uh, to mine crypto to uh, the infamous crypto Bobby? Like, like what what occurs between uh, mining Bitcoin and Dogecoin to having what, how many subscribers on YouTube? Uh, it's like one hundred thirty thousand something okay. like that. So you got one hundred plus thousand subscribers on YouTube, 
and you started out using free credits on AWS. Like, what, what's the transition there? Um, so, I mean, it became pretty unprofitable to to do anything. Like, <laughs> I, the, the free credits didn't. I probably did that four or five times. Um, so it wasn't necessarily like I was I was paying rent with that. I probably made a hundred bucks maybe. Um, but even the mining with the the Bitcoin ASICs became pretty unprofitable pretty quickly. Uh, so I just kind of stopped that and would. You know, Kind of dollar cost average into Bitcoin um, on occasion, and really just focused on my day job, which was uh, recruiting and then software sales for about kind of five years up until 2017. And I was working a job in enterprise software sales at uh, at Oracle. I sold ERP software, which is accounting software. That uh, sounds super stimulating. It's, yeah, it's uh, I sold that to financial services firms in, in New York City, so it was uh, it's really exciting. Um, paid well, but. Uh, yeah, so I, I did that for I did that for a while, and uh, I actually worked from home for the most part. So there was a specific day; it was like August of 2017. I made a video. Uh, there wasn't a ton of content about crypto at the time, or a ton of content that I loved. There were a lot of people talking about crazy things and talking about BitConnect, and just the YouTube game was kind of the wild west back then. And um, wanted to just kind of put my thoughts together on what. Uh, I felt like I had a different spin to say, and I put the first video out there, got like 50 views, the second one got like 500, and the third one got something like 5,000. I was like, this is an interesting growth pattern, and maybe I should continue to do this. <laughs> and so for like six or seven months, I made a video on YouTube basically every single day, sometimes twice a day, and uh, that kind of just took off and was, was a pretty crazy ride. Yeah, uh, what were the videos about? Uh, so the videos were about everything from like daily price movements in Bitcoin to Ethereum to what altcoins were doing and just different like trends that I saw. And I tried to be um, not too high level at all because I'm not necessarily the most technical person or um, I, I feel like I know more than a lot of people, but I'm definitely not in that like upper 2% as far as knowledge. So I, I definitely wanted to be in a position where I wasn't uh, just kind of like a relatable individual when talking about crypto. Uh, and I think kind of what what something that was fun for me and also just helped the channel grow a lot was I did these like crypto happy hours, which were kind of like this, but it would be nine o'clock at night and I'd have three beers and sit on a live stream and just interact and answer questions and kind of listen to what people had to say and talk to them about things. So. And, and with a hundred plus thousand subscribers, when you do that, like how many people are on at any time? A couple hundred. So it right now it's probably like three, two to four hundred. Um, okay. In the peak of the the bull run. Yeah, what's going on was, in the bull run? That was that was the most wild. There was one time I was uh, sitting in you know sitting in my like office at home uh, recording a, a live stream, and there were four thousand people on the live stream, and I was just sitting there. Uh, with a with a couple beers of me, just like what what is it? there are four thousand people that are watching this, and here I am like the next morning waking up at eight o'clock in the morning to have a discovery call about accounting software, and there's four thousand people that are watching this, and I was it was like mind blowing. That, that that's like a small stadium, like yeah. like literally, it's like you're like a stand up comedian and and you made it. You're you're performing in front of four thousand people, right? Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't last long because it's uh, it's totally correlated with the crypto markets. But uh, yeah, it was it was a wild wild time. Okay, and and so uh, you go 
Explain the crypto happy hours. Sure. Like you're, you're streaming live, you're drinking, right? Not getting drunk, yeah. but just, you know, you're having a beer or two. Uh, what is everybody else doing? Was the idea that they're going to be drinking as well while watching the live stream? It was just kind of like whatever people want to be doing. Like I, I typically, the majority of my audience would be US based. So I would do it, let's say sometimes seven, eight, nine, basically after I was done with work. Mm-hmm. Um, I would log in and then, yeah, I would you know ask people like like how you ask people on your stream, hey, where are you watching in from? I would say, where are you watching in from and what are you drinking? And it would be you know everything from like crazy IPAs to Bud Light to to vodka on the rock, whatever it might be. So that was always kind of a just a fun way to, to interact with people and then would just answer questions. I mean, a lot of times it would be like, what do you think about X Y Z? Should I invest in this? Should I put all my money in that? And a lot of times I have, I mean. I have no idea, but I would just kind of try to provide some type of rational thought process, Mm -hmm. whether or not that ended up working out in the long run, who knows. I love it, I love it. Um, All right, so what are you doing now? No longer selling accounting software. So when I was was, uh, doing the YouTube channel or like doing a ton of that, um, which I still do now, but uh, I was like really interested in the crypto industry, uh, really interested in Bitcoin, Ethereum, a lot of the other things, and uh, really wanted to work full time in the space. And for me, I had difficulty doing that because I have a software sales background. Like my my job was to generate revenue for companies, um, or my job was to generate revenue for Oracle. I had a you know, whatever a million dollar, million dollar plus quota, um, and my job would be to close software as a service deals and. That was difficult when I would be looking in the crypto space because there wasn't necessarily a lot of companies that were A, bringing in revenue, or B, the types of companies that were bringing in revenue were mostly cryptocurrency exchanges where they're looking for somebody with a Wall Street institutional finance sales background, which I just don't have. So it was really tough for me. So what I was eventually doing at that point in time was uh, I would apply to different jobs. I would just hear nothing back. And a lot of people would reach out to me about interviews on the podcast and eventually what I started to look at was, okay, if somebody's reaching out to me about an interview, I am going to check their check the company. If I know of the company, yep. I'll check their website and I'll look at it and say, oh, wow, they actually have a job opening. So I'd reply back to their interview and say, hey, you know what? Love to have you on my podcast. By the way, I saw you had a business development role. Would love to talk to you about that as well. And uh, that was something that eventually kind of got my foot in the door a little bit. And I interviewed with a company that um, you've talked to, uh, Oved uh, Fluidity Air Swap. So I actually interviewed Oved on my uh, YouTube channel and I was talking to him before the interview and he's like, what's your end game? What are you trying to do? He's like, well, I'd love to work full time in the industry. And he's like, come in on Sunday, came into the office on a weekend, met with the team two weeks later, uh, made the jump and, and left, uh, left Oracle to work in the crypto industry full time. How freeing was it to to shed the man and enter into the world where where people are freaking <laughs> half crazy and and uh, and frankly half uh, overly ambitious? It was uh, it was it was really interesting. I mean, I I actually really liked software sales. Uh, if I if like the Bitcoin industry as a whole wouldn't come around, I feel like I'd still be doing that for sure. Um, I think that's a great job for anybody that's that's ever interested in that. It's awesome. Um, but it was really Thing interesting on my end because when you just make content, I kind of felt like an outsider looking in on the industry. I was like, okay, I'm making content, I'm talking about this stuff, but I don't necessarily know exactly what's going on in the inside. Um, you know, there's not necessarily a ton of respect in the in the world for uh, 
you know, YouTubers amongst the, uh, the like established leaders of the industry. So I was just looking to do something where you know, I had an opportunity to actually participate in what was going on within the industry, try to build things, try to learn things as much as possible. And it was, it was really awesome to be able to go into an office every day and just like be able to work with like-minded people who were passionate about Bitcoin, passionate about Ethereum, were like really interested in seeing the, the industry grow. So that was, that was my favorite part about it. And you go from that to starting a business in the yeah. space. Talk a little bit about what you're doing now and kind of what the, the genesis uh, for, for starting Proof of Talent was. Sure. So in, in 2019, uh, I was you know, still at, at Fluidity and started to think a little bit just in the, in the back of my head about like what like the long-term game in the industry uh, for me might, <clears throat> excuse me, might be. We're, we're going so fast, oh. we need some water. <laughs> so, <clears throat> so thinking about that a little bit more in depth. Is this, is this like crypto happy hour, like in the morning? Yeah. <laughs> is that if, spiked coffee? <laughs> if, if, you, if you have booze, um, that'd be great. Now, <laughs> well, it's Friday, right? It's, it's never too early on a Friday. People on the live stream think you need milk. Ah. <laughs> uh. I don't know why, but that's what they're saying. Water for the buffalo chicken king. Thank you. I appreciate that. Oh, we're going to get to the Jets and the buffalo chicken in a oh, minute. Don't, Keep don't, going. Don't do the Jets for me, please. Um, so I was just thinking a little bit about like long term where I could add the most value in the industry and had the at the time what I thought was kind of a crazy idea to start a recruiting firm. And I did a bunch of research. I was, I was driving up to Boston one day and kind of had the idea that popped in my head. And I was like, you know what? This actually seems like something that's not that crazy. And I did a bunch of research and didn't necessarily find anybody that I thought was um, kind of meeting the specific needs of, of the market. And then I started to reach out to different people that work in crypto and run companies. So I started to reach out to different CEOs. And I was just like, hey, I have a quick question for you. You know, people that I knew, people that I was friends with, I was like, you know, what do you do for recruiting? How do you handle hiring? Um, what are your thoughts? Um, do you see a demand? And basically every time there was just a conversation about like some of the business challenges when I was trying to do some market research, almost every single CEO was like, hiring is a huge problem for us. It's a really big issue. Um, and we're just not able to hire fast enough. So uh, just kind of put a bunch of wheels into place and ended up uh, ended up deciding to, to leave full time with Fluidity to start uh, proof of Talent, which is a technical recruiting firm that works exclusively with companies in the blockchain and cryptocurrency industry. Got it. Um, there's a lot to unpack here because, uh, one, I definitely agree that there is a ton of people who want to hire, yeah. but uh, they're struggling. Um, maybe let's start on that side with the companies. Sure. Like, what are you seeing? Right? You're sitting in the kind of the middle of that marketplace. Mm -hmm. So you talk to employers every day. You talk to uh, people who are in the industry looking to switch jobs. Yep. And then also people outside the industry looking to get into the industry. On the employer side, like, what are some of the trends you see and some of the challenges that they're facing? Sure. So, yeah, I think you summarized it well. I mean, I basically proof. I practiced. I, <laughs> last night I stayed up late to practice that one little speech. <laughs> So Proofdown is pretty much like a, it's basically a matchmaker between companies that are hiring and, and talent. Um, and so for the companies that are hiring, I think you've seen kind of an interesting, just like with the industry, how things have changed since 2017, there's definitely a somewhat of like a unique perception where I feel like things have, the outside interest is maybe pared back a little bit, but it's definitely been a lot more legitimized over time. I think every day that, that Bitcoin continues to exist and continues to succeed, um, 
that the just kind of legitimacy for the industry continues to grow. Uh, and you're starting to see companies that are, I think, finding different and new unique use cases. And that's where I think, like for me, the, the majority of uh, the companies that I work with are trying to fill those gaps. I think previously, you know, what you've seen is like the only successful companies have been the basically exchanges mm-hmm. uh, for the most part. Like the companies that have done really well have been cryptocurrency exchanges. And in 2016, 2017, you had a lot of, of token sales and ICOs with these lofty goals. Uh, and for the most part, the vast majority of them have, have not panned out. Um, and with that, you have this kind of new emerging class of, of business that is mostly like a venture backed, uh, you know, a venture backed company that's building some type of infrastructure or uh, service within the cryptocurrency world, whether that is research or data or um, like APIs around exchange. There's a lot of different uh, nice niches and unique components that businesses are, are kind of uh, going after outside of just the exchanges and that is one of the areas where i think people have have to kind of prove their ability to succeed because you have these companies that everybody is building the next big thing but uh, kind of proving that you're able to is is really important when trying to attract that that next like generation of talent all right so the employer side is Obviously, the businesses are going to do what they're going to do. Yep. Uh, we already have people asking in the live stream uh, things like college grad with programming, smart contract experience. How can I expose myself to crypto dev positions? Sure. So let's flip around to the other side of the market. Uh, whether somebody's been in the industry or not, um, what are you seeing from uh, people who want to fill these jobs mm-hmm. uh, from a trend perspective? Sure. So like, if you're looking at talent... Um, what I what I typically see, especially in the technical side, um, primarily proof of talent is a technical or recruiting firm. So about seventy percent of the positions we work on are some type of software engineering role. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thirty percent might be like a smattering of of business operations, legal. Uh, but the, for the majority, it's it's engineering type roles or development type roles. And for the most part, companies are really looking and interested in people that have experience with like core technology outside of the blockchain or cryptocurrency world. Um, you know, whether that might be like a backend engineer that has experience with Java or C++ at a startup or a larger you know, tech company or a front end engineer that's worked with JavaScript and React for a few years. Um, there's not necessarily as much of a demand for that, that I'm seeing right now, at least, there's not as much of a demand right now for somebody that has, let's say, experience specifically working on Bitcoin or specifically working uh, with Solidity and Web3. There are opportunities like that, but I, for the most part, see that companies are more strict on finding individuals that have core technology experience and less strict with somebody having blockchain experience going into it from day one. Got it. And, and then let's get into a little bit of like advice for yeah. people, right? So um, what are some of the do's and don'ts? Sure. Let, let's start with the don'ts, right? So th- there's a bunch of people who they want to get jobs and they either kind of shotgun out to a bunch of companies, yep. they come to you, whatever. What are the big mistakes that they're making that they shouldn't do anymore? 
So I think that, and, and coming from somebody that has been in this situation, like I said before, you know, when I was at Oracle, I was sending out resumes and I was basically hearing nothing back. I wasn't the perfect fit for, for the positions on paper, but I still felt like I had something to offer. And I, I think a lot of people feel like they're in that scenario mm -hmm. where, you know, they don't feel like they're necessarily like they look at the job description, they know, you know what, hey, I don't have everything, but I think I can add value. And what I would say on that end is that for the most part, the crypto industry is still small enough where personal connections, I think, really make a big, you know, big difference. And so if you are somebody that I think networking is is like a huge, huge thing to to be um, like successful within uh, to, <laughs> to be successful within the then the job search is you know going to if you're in a large city going to different crypto meetups and trying to meet people there uh or even like twitter and telegram are still i think hugely important and helpful like you can be in any location in the world and you could still interact with people on a consistent basis so i think building up a network as much as possible and trying to get warm introductions is something that's helpful especially for people that aren't maybe the best fit uh for specific roles at least on paper skirt skirt Want to know who has the best URL? Crypto.com. That's right, Crypto.com. They're a crypto platform with one goal, mother mass adoption. That's why we're all here. We're trying to get crypto in every wallet. Crypto.com is helping people do that through buying, earning, lending, and card payment. Everything you could want at Crypto.com. Go help your boy out, tell him Pomp sent you. Download the app or visit Crypto.com. Pomp's got you, always. Ever wanted to get into mining and didn't know how? Don't worry, your boy Pomp's got you. Everybody got some electricity and Wi-Fi. All you gotta do is go to coinmine.com, you buy a coin mine. It's like an Xbox or a PlayStation that helps you turn your electricity into Bitcoin. That's right, you purchase it, it shows up at your doorstep, you pull it out of the box, you plug it in, connect to your Wi-Fi, five minutes or less, you're mining Bitcoin. All you have to do is control it from the mobile app they provide, and then you receive over-the-air updates that add new coins and new features on a consistent basis. Kind of like how Tesla does over-the-air updates and updates the car software. Just you're updating your coin mine. Consumer mining made easy. That's right. Go to coinmine.com, tell them Pomp set you, and thank me later. One more word from our sponsor, BlockFi. Their new interest account allows you to securely deposit your Bitcoin or Ether at BlockFi and receive 6% annual interest paid monthly in cryptocurrency. This rate actually compounds, so you receive a 6.2% APY, which is very attractive given the alternatives. So you can actually take your Bitcoin, you can deposit it with BlockFi and get paid an interest rate of 6% in return. Go check out BlockFi.com POMP. Again, BlockFi.com POMP to sign up and start earning interest on your crypto today. Yeah, and, and you and I were talking before uh, we started recording. Um, it's almost like this idea of like giving value before yep. you try to capitalize on it. Maybe explain a little bit of that. Sure. So one thing that I think is is really important for for people that are not within, they're not working in the in the crypto industry right now or in the the blockchain industry. Um, maybe you're a college, you could be a you can be in college, you could be a college grad, uh, you could have whatever ten years of experience on Wall Street doesn't necessarily matter. Um, I think that proving your actual interest within the industry is really important, and there's a couple different ways that you can do that. Um, and, and why why I say this is because a lot of people when you're when you're having I have conversations with job candidates multiple times a day, um, and there's a lot of times where you know you speak to somebody and they'll say, hey, I'm really interested in 
Bitcoin or Ethereum or whatever it is. And then I'll ask, is there is there anything that you have that I can show to somebody that can you know we can use that to, to prove your interest? And for the most part, there's not. Uh, there are a few people, and I, I've seen these people have a ton of success. Where if it's somebody that's non-technical, they're a analyst or a researcher, or they're just a they're working in some type of business role, they write their thoughts down on Medium. Maybe they only have two articles, but it goes to show like, hey, I've given actual thought to this industry, and I've I've tried to you know put some some time and effort into what I'm doing, and I'm interested, even if I'm working a full-time job doing something completely different. On the other end of the spectrum, if you're a software engineer, one of the easiest things that you can do is find a project that you're passionate about and contribute. I mean, the entire, basically the entire industry is built on an open source source ethos. So if you find something that you like, contribute a little bit, put in a, you know, put a little bit of effort in uh, and just build up your GitHub profile a little bit. And I think that will go a long way as far as just ultimately showing that you do care about this more than just saying I do. Yeah. It's almost like uh, do the job before you get the job. Yeah. Right. And and, um, I I like your example of like the researcher uh, because the technical one, I think it's very obvious, right? Oh, you're interested in the space, build something, right? And then you can show people this is what I built uh, and they either like it or they don't. They figure out can they work with you or not. Um, The non-technical positions though, uh, a researcher, an analyst, it's so simple, right? Just literally write. Uh, the ones that uh, are probably harder, and I want to hear your thoughts on, are like folks like business development, sure. right, or uh, marketing. How do you think about what they can do before they actually go in to apply for a job to kind of show value or, or you know prove their worth, if you will? In some cases, it might be doing something that's a side project in addition to your full time job. You know, if you're working in marketing and you want to maybe help somebody out for five hours a week on the side, that could be something that's that's interesting. Um, there are, you know, or if you're in sales, maybe trying to help somebody out on the side. There are a couple different, like Masari uh, has their like analyst program. And I've talked to a bunch of different people that they might be working in, they might be looking for a research job. Maybe they, they don't, they're not looking for that at all. Mm-hmm. But by, by participating in that analyst program, it's basically like a free volunteer program that they're doing, but it's kind of a resume builder. And that's like what they're looking at. That's what they're looking at it as. And it could be somebody that's working in operations um, or sales trading on mm-hmm. Wall Street. It doesn't necessarily matter, but that type of just like helping and, and kind of being involved within the industry is, is really important for a lot of people. Absolutely. Uh, we've got people in the comments. Ah, Catherine Cooley, CEO of Binance US, saying, I am hiring, looking for active folks who successfully drove results at scale. Versatility is key. Perfect example of uh, somebody who's saying, look, we're hiring and we're looking for people who can drive results and who yeah. actually have skills, but it's not necessarily you had to do it in the crypto industry, et cetera, right? Yeah, and I think too, like when you... Just job searching in general, and when you're applying for opportunities, it's you know you're trying to make yourself the most attractive candidate possible. Um, there are going to be you're not going to be the only applicant for these opportunities, and you want to put yourself in a position where your background, your resume is the most appealing, and not necessarily just like your resume. I think that's somewhat like a little bit like outdated in general, but like your your experience, your background, what you bring to the table is the most appealing thing to somebody else. And ultimately you have to sell yourself to the company. They have to sell yourself, they have to sell them to, to you as well because hopefully you'll have multiple opportunities that you can choose from. But that's something that, you know, you want to always try to put like the best package forward for a company to look at. For sure. 
Um, all right, we'll come back to hiring in a second, but sure. I got I to gotta ask two questions. One, you're a fanatic when it comes to buffalo chicken. What, uh, what, what's going on with that? I, I've never had a buffalo chicken sandwich. Is that bad? Yes, that's <laughs> that's, uh, that's 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 terrible. Uh, I'll have to have to buy one for you. Um, <laughs> All right, what, what's the fascination? I so it was it was kind of a running joke in like mid to late 2017 when I started Crypto Bobby on Twitter and on YouTube. Um, you know, there would be times where I'd go and I'd get like a buffalo chicken for lunch, and for whatever dumb reason, I would post it on uh, on Twitter, and then like. 30 minutes later, the price of Ethereum would be up 50% or the price of Bitcoin would be up 30%. And I'd be like, I need to eat more buffalo chicken wraps. And it just kind of like turned into this running joke. And I also could eat like a buffalo chicken wrap like three times a day. Unfortunately, I haven't found any like super great ones in New York City. So I'm still still struggling for that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it just, it, it rolled. All right. So we're going to go from something you love, which by the way, McDonald's, if they had a buffalo chicken wrap would be even better, but McDonald's is the best restaurant. I'm, I'm a big Mickey D's fan. Right. I'm a Mickey D's stockholder, so <laughs> I, I, I hope it hope it goes on forever. Um, That's what my, bro- my brother uh, has a little bit of McDonald's stock, and yeah. whenever we go somewhere outside the United States- It pays a nice dividend. We, we, we literally go to McDonald's, and he's like, oh, I'm checking on my uh, investment. <laughs> I There's there been a few times where I was in, I think it was like Dubai, Malta, a couple other like rand international places for crypto conferences, uh, Prague, and every time I go in, I get a Big Mac. You got it. Yeah, why not? I'm, a, I'm personally a McChicken fan, though. I'm a Big Mac guy. No, I got to go to the McChicken. All right, we got to talk about a serious uh, topic now. What the fuck is going on with the New York Jets? <laughs> um, I'm, a, I'm a diehard New York Jets fan. I actually... Why? Uh, Do you enjoy pain? Well, at this point in time, no, but yes. By the way, um, as a New York Giants fan, like I feel for you, right? But go ahead. So my dad was a Jets fan, so I naturally I became a Jets fan. It's funny because I actually got a, a cold. I went to the first game this season, and I got a cold call from uh, the season ticket office yesterday, and then I got an email, and I did respond. But uh, I was just kind of laughing in my head, like if there's if there's any worse sales job on the planet right now than selling Jets season tickets, I don't know what it is. <laughs> But I'm a huge Jets fan. I'm a diehard Jets fan. They're like the fact that the season is basically over two weeks in is the most. I was so pumped. Went to the first Jets game, tailgated, super pumped. What was the score? It was 16 nothing, and they blew a 16-0 lead, lost 17-16, and uh, because of two missed field goals. And then our starting quarterback, who is I think going to be, I think Sam Darnold's going to be awesome, but gets mono and is out for at least a month and I don't I haven't heard of a uh, anybody above like 15 years old getting mono <laughs> since I never so that's just the that's the Jets luck is your starting quarterback gets mono your backup quarterback breaks his ankle and now you're on some third string so there we are if it makes you feel better going into the season for the New York Giants Eli Manning you know when is he going to turn it over we're in week three and he's already benched <laughs> so so that tells you how the Giants season's going <laughs> they might be the only team worse than the Jets so you can you, you have a Super Bowl in your lifetime I'll never have that <laughs> yeah well that, that, that is true we have two of them actually beat the Patriots oh, thank God um, alright so uh, other than football and chicken wraps um, where can people go if they're looking for jobs in the space right with proof of talent in terms of what's the best way for them to get in touch with you um, and where can they go sure so with proof of talent I'm really trying to build a company that people 
on the the job seeking side really think of as a place to go and reach out to us when they are looking for opportunities whether they're looking within the space they're already working at a at a company in in the crypto industry or if they're you know looking from outside they're trying to you know to make their way in um, so really trying to serve as a, as a point of contact for individuals on that end uh, and also for companies uh, looking for companies that are hiring that you know need assistance with technical talent or non-technical talent uh, a place that they you know that they know and that they can trust to uh, help them find that talent uh, as far as as far as companies and individuals reaching out proofoftalent.co is uh is our, our website. There are a number of job opportunities you can see there. You could send in your resume, a bunch of different things. And also if you're looking uh, for different positions, you could certainly reach out as well. Um, and then on Twitter, my DMs are open, which slide is in the DMs is something I, I had closed DMs forever. And once I started the new business, I was like, you know what, I got to open them. And that's been a, it's been an interesting experience. What, uh, what's the, what's the craziest thing and the most valuable thing that you've been DM'd? Uh, the, the level of like C-level executives at large companies that will come into or just send you a message via Twitter or on Telegram is it's pretty incredible. I think people like I post a lot about the job opportunities on Twitter, and people are like, "You're never going to find that position on Twitter." And then I have uh, you know a 20-year lawyer with experience uh, working at some massive financial firm in the SEC that sends me a message and he's like, hey, I'm looking for a job in crypto. I, yeah. run, a, I run a lightning node and I'm really passionate about this stuff. And it's like, oh, you can't find this type of thing on, on Twitter? Um, Twitter's the new LinkedIn. Yeah, I still, uh, I still utilize LinkedIn and I think that's, uh, it's, it's helpful, but the, the organic conversations that you have on, on Twitter are, I think, a lot more, at least for me, just because that's like where I have the most audience and then I've built up the most relationships. There's definitely more of a kind of an organic feel, I feel like. Yeah. Uh, what is the Twitter account and what's the YouTube account? So uh, I'm never going to think of yeah. you as not Crypto Bobby. So on... <laughs> On Twitter, I'm uh, at crypto underscore Bobby. There's also at proof of talent. If you want to reach out about any job opportunities, you can certainly do that there. And on YouTube, it's uh, just crypto Bobby. If you search it in, no underscore. Uh, uh, no, it's just just crypto yeah. Bobby. Do we know who has the at crypto Bobby no underscore on Twitter? I don't. And the only reason I'm actually crypto Bobby is because I go by Rob for the most part in real life. But cryptorob.com was not available, so I decided to buy cryptobobby.com. Um, so that was basically people are like, what, what, why do you go by Bobby? I'm like, cause cryptorob.com wasn't, wasn't available on GoDaddy. Uh, I, I, uh, I almost don't want to admit this, but, uh, I, one of the URLs I bought this long, uh, I think a pretty long time ago, pompbitcoin.com. <laughs> it's actually a pretty good one. Pomp it. I'm probably not going to do anything pomp with it. Com. But, but the fact that that was available and I got it, what made me so happy. <laughs> So whoever got cryptorob.com, that I've got a buyer for you. I'll, uh, I'll facilitate a trade. <laughs> um, all right, rapid fire questions. Most important company in crypto other than proof of talent? Uh, no, proof, definitely proof of talent. Now, um, I'm surprised no one's fought me on this question. Like, some no one's ever been like, no, actually, it's our company. I think that Coinbase is one of the most important and one of the most interesting. Um, I feel like they've they've done some. Kind of uh, eyebrow raising moves in terms of I feel like they've gone from one of the most 
conservative companies in the crypto space to, I don't know if you saw yesterday, considering adding a bunch of new Telegram and mm -hmm. Handshake and like probably 15 different assets. Um, so I feel like they've definitely taken a more retail approach. And I, I'm interested to see how that pans out for Coinbase, given their, their user base. Uh, and their their pull on the industry, rather than some of the like more institutional kind of focused answers around like ETFs and things like that. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> uh, what's the one regulation you would change or improve if you could? I mean, I, I think the vast majority of the vast majority of people will say the the credit investor laws as somebody who as of recently uh previously was a new jersey resident and now i'm a new york resident uh the bit license is super super frustrating as a as a new new york resident having to deal with that um it's something that i feel like every other every different crypto exchange or product or anything it's like we're available in 49 states minus new york so for very selfish reasons, and also because I think it's onerous for companies to comply with, uh, the bit license is something that I'd love to uh, love to see changed. Yeah, at some point, they're either going to have state by state regulation or federal regulation. If the federal re regulation comes in, it may get rid of the state regulation. So we'll see. That'd be nice. Uh, most important book you've ever read? Um, there have been a, a lot of interesting ones, but I think my like favorite and the one that's had probably the longest lasting impression on me is Shoe Dog. Uh, mm -hmm. by Phil Knight. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, it's an awesome book. And it just goes to show, especially now where you kind of see the overnight success of a lot of people. And in like the, the tech focused world and with a lot of startups, I mean, companies going to billion dollar valuations in you know, minutes and seconds, basically, it feels like. And I think Phil Knight going from like $8,000 in sales his first year with Nike and wasn't even Nike, it was Blue Ribbon to like 16,000, basically doubling in sales from absolutely nothing to being a multi-multi-billionaire over the course of like 20, 30 years is such a, like an inspiring story just around dealing with adversity. So mm -hmm. that's that's probably the most uh, interesting and important book for, for me. All right, uh, aliens, real or not real, exist or don't exist? Uh, I'll say they exist. Uh, yeah, they, they exist. You don't sound very confident. I, 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 got, enough, I got enough problems on, uh, on Earth right now that uh, I got enough things to worry about here. So I'm, <laughs> as long as they don't come down uh, in an Independence Day style fashion and we need Will Smith to save us, I'm not too worried about aliens. Higher probability of a human being able to prove contact with an alien or the Jets going 16-0 in your lifetime? Uh, definitely aliens. <laughs> like one, one, there is 0% chance, like negative 0% chance the Jets will ever uh, ever go 16-0. So, yeah. And if they do, they'll probably not make it to the Super Bowl. So, yeah, aliens definitely. The uh, So I originally started asking the question, and people on the live stream uh, seem to remember – uh, alien, alien pets. pets. That's where it came from. Was uh, I was laying in bed one night and I was like, if aliens showed up, would they have? Would it be like a multi-species, right, where they have pets and there's like the human equivalent, or are they just all the same thing? Like, what do you think? It might. Yeah, you know, I feel like the the pets is probably a probably a solid move. I feel like it's very presumptuous presumptuous of us to just think that you know there's just gonna be one race of aliens. Like, there's, there's probably multiple. Yeah, and, and we are their pets. Yeah, well, that, that, of course. We we are uh, we are in the simulation. 
Um, all right, to finish up, and then we'll uh, we'll take a couple of questions from the live stream once the podcast is over. Uh, what uh, question do you have for me? Uh, how do you view? I don't. Distribu- how do you view distribution? I feel like that's something that you know just about as well as anybody in the crypto space and has underrated importance and would, would be curious just like generally around your thoughts on, on distribution. Uh, highly controversial thought. Many people would get mad at me for saying it, so I'm going to say it, uh, and then it'll make sense why. Every single piece of content on the internet is entertainment. So th- even the news is entertainment. Yeah. And... Uh, whether people like it or not, it's not the fact that I think that's the way it should be. It's just a fact of life. It's entertainment. And the second that people start looking at content creation, distribution, et cetera, as entertainment, it completely changes the way that you do things, right? So if you look at it, uh, there's a lot of people who have a distribution strategy of I'm going to educate. Yep. But if the educating is boring and not entertaining, it Nobody goes cares. nowhere, yeah. right? There's a lot of people who say, uh, I'm just going to overwhelm the market with content. If it's not entertaining, you don't get anywhere, right? Um, there's a lot of people who say, I'm gonna write the news. I don't care if you write the facts or not. If it's not entertaining, no one's gonna read it, right? And so the, the entertainment factor uh, is either misunderstood or left out a lot of times. Um, what I think that translates to, it doesn't mean that you have to be funny or you have to have high production quality from like a, you know, hey, we created a skit and here's a video. Um, it's just the fact that, let I me mean, take this live stream, for example. There's some people who are watching. They might not understand 80% of what we're talking about, but the fact that we're having fun, we're laughing, whatever, like it's entertaining to them. So they, yeah. they keep watching, right? They don't know if all of a sudden one of us are going to say some crazy ass thing or whatever. And so to me, distribution is entertainment, entertainment, entertainment. And uh, I, I was joking, but I wasn't joking. Uh, when I said to somebody recently, I said, uh, all the marketing is the pre-work for the important stuff, mm-hmm. right? And what I meant by that is like all the entertaining and the, you know, the tweets with the emojis and trying to go viral and all this stuff. It's just, you're doing that to build audience. You're doing that to build up uh, impressions and, and eyeballs because then when you have something important to say or you're a business and you wanna sell your product or you're, you know, for you, you've got a job opportunity that you're trying to fill, whatever. All of that pre-work has become a habitual to folks that they're paying attention. Sure. And then once you have that, then you capitalize on it by presenting the important information, right, or or whatever the the goal is. Um, I think that there's a lot of people that uh, they don't want to put in the pre-work because they think it's stupid, it's beneath them, uh, it's too hard, it'll take too long, too much energy, whatever it is. And then what they try to do is they try to capitalize but it's like you haven't earned the right to do the capitalization uh, of your efforts until you've done the pre-work, you've been entertaining, et cetera. And you know, if I said to you right now, hey, uh, I need you to go on YouTube and um, get a bunch of people to sign up for something, sure. you're just cashing in social capital, right? Like, like they're like, yeah, we know this dude, we paid attention, like, okay, he likes it, I'll go do my own research, but like, I'm in. And so from a distribution standpoint, it, it's, it, it's the WWF. Like, that is what Twitter is. If you look at Twitter, there are good guys, bad guys, there's heroes, there's villains, there, you know, there's all this stuff. It's just entertainment. Yeah. It's, I, I definitely agree with that. I feel like content is kind of like an escape for a lot of people, too. It's, you know, it's, it's something to somewhat distract from, from the everyday. And there are, I mean, especially like crypto Twitter and some of the, you know, some of the elements around that. It's such a wild, like unique world with, like you said, so many different kind of 
types of people, subsets of the industry that take a lot of kind of complex understanding and different people trying to entertain different kind of groups. So For sure. So uh, before we shut off the podcast, I'll leave you with one comment that you didn't see. Uh, somebody just said, the Jets are entertaining. <laughs> I... I would highly disagree with you on that. As, as somebody who was sitting on my couch on Monday night watching a pitiful 23-3 loss, that was not entertaining. Shout out Wu-Tang Clan 10. I see you in the live stream. I know who you are. You're hiding, but I see you. All right. I appreciate you uh, coming on. Yeah, thanks a lot. Hey, everyone. Pop here. If you like this episode of Off the Chain and want to help us take crypto to the top of the Apple, Spotify, and other podcast charts, please do us a favor and rate, review, and subscribe. To review, simply go to the Off the Chain homepage, scroll down until you see the five blank stars. Taking 15 seconds to fill those stars in and leave a quick review goes a long way in helping us take the entire crypto ecosystem to the top of the charts. I appreciate you listening and see you next time on Off the Chain.